0: One top-of-the-mind headline to emerge from Aero India that's currently going on in Bengaluru is that the Americans have brought in their latest fighter, that is F-35. F-35 is the latest of the stealth fighters in the world and this this is the fighter to beat. Other countries working on their own stealth fighter versions are now all or seeing this as the benchmark. So the Americans bring in this top-of-the-line fighter, which they rarely sell to anybody, or would, which they so, so far have rarely even negotiated with to sell to anybody outside of NATO. We know that UAE had ordered some, but that is here and there. So Americans are very possessive about it. The reason they brought it here, one, that is to show, that is to show how seriously they take India and also how seriously they take the Indian market because they would like to impress Indian Air Force, Indian public opinion, etc., etc., the, uh, the whole bunch of people who write about defense and military affairs. This is a very expensive new aircraft and very few countries can afford it also. But remember, in the neighborhood next door, the Chinese have a good stealth aircraft now, although it's not yet been tested, but they have J-20. Now, Americans brought in F-35. This is yet another message. And that is the message about, that is the diplomatic message or message about the changed strategic equation in the subcontinent for the Americans. Because for the, in the long past, for decades, Americans had their special relationship with Pakistan. Some of this continues. Even now, there are some negotiations going on between America and Pakistan. You know what happens? When, when you have a marriage of, say, 50 years or 60 years, which was the case between America and Pakistan, and then you have a divorce, right, after 60 years, or a separation in this case, not a formal divorce, then there's always a lot of pending issues to talk about. And that's how Pakistan and America, at the defense services level, are still talking currently, as I record this one, and as Aero India goes on. But Americans bringing it here also, in a way, underlines the fundamental shift in American-Indian strategic and military relations and also, also also gives us an opportunity to look at what has changed on the ground and how significant this change is. So let me make one straight statement for you. That this is that first time in India's history, that first time in India's history that all three Indian military forces, Army, Navy and Air Force have lethal American equipment. They are all using lethal American equipment, right? Then you might say, what's the big deal about this? Army Navy Air Force are supposed to use lethal American, lethal equipment. So what's the story? The story is that until, until a couple of years ago, until a couple of years ago, none of the Indian forces had ever, (coughs) had ever used a lethal, lethal American equipment, although we had so many wars. Now, there are some exceptions there. For example, in 1950s, maybe 1950, 51, when 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 India became independent, India basically inherited armed forces from the British. So as part of those armed forces, our armored corps units, our cavalry units inherited a bunch of Sherman tanks from the British because they were part of the Allied Army. These were American-made Sherman tanks. So these were left with the uh, Indian Army. And then Because the Americans were downsizing, particularly after Korea, etc. At that point, after the Second World War also, big downsizing took place. A lot of these tanks were available, sort of almost almost at scrap price. So India bought another 200 of the Shermans, then almost at scrap price, and then upgunned them, many with a French gun, AMX gun, and many later with a Soviet gun. Right. So you can say that all right, uh, maybe early 50s India bought those Shermans. Can you call them American or not? That's that's an arguable point, and they and there might be a few more examples like that, but not very significant. That tank, by the way, fought in the 1961 war because you know India used old equipment for very long for a very long time because because there, there was always a resource issue. So if you get that out of the way, although that was not a classical. Classical, that does not fit the classical definition of buying an American lethal equipment to fight a war. Even if you get that out of the way, it's the first time that India is employing lethal American systems, offensive American systems. What are these? Now, this is not a definitive list. So look at the army first of all. Army has acquired, after a long time, after a long wait following the Bofort scam, the army had continued using old old artillery. And we know now that in today's battle, artillery is the final arbiter, as we have seen in Ukraine also. So, Indian army was stuck. Nobody wanted to buy new art- artillery. In a government-to-government process, Modi government has bought 145 pieces of m 7 artillery. These m 7 artillery pieces, these are very modern. These can use specialized ammunition. Of course, there's always a struggle about getting sufficient supplies of that ammunition because this is not regular ammunition but these can be lifted these are light these are light they have big range but these can be lifted and these can be lifted by helicopters as well and which helicopters would lift it that also now India has acquired from the Americans that is the Chinook so combination of Chinook and M777 is quite quite effective and if you see the borders with the Chinese Then you see the mountain ranges run sort of parallel. So you can use the combination of Chinook and the M777 to shift from one range to the other. And and that way, this mobility adds a great deal of firepower to Indian Army. So Indian Army's latest modern artillery, and this is as modern as it can get in the world. Ukrainians are also using quite a bit of M777s in their war against the Russians right now. and these have, these pieces have been recently gifted. So Indian army has this super lethal American equipment. Besides that, 72,000 six Sawyer 716 rifles have been have been bought, and these are these are arming now. These are outfitting the frontline formations of Indian army. And as if this is not enough, Indian army is also also acquiring six Apache helicopters. Apaches, as we know are rated to be among the most effective anti-tank helicopters, helicopters for anti-tank warfare anywhere. Now, in the Indian system, the way it works, uh, India or, India ordered 22, 22 went to the Air Force and the Army said we wanted some also, so six have to come to the Army. So the Army now has, uh, so the Army now has definitely this artillery, the rifles and also, also Apache helicopters on the way. So now we know that Indian Army has all this equipment, American lethal fighting equipment that Indian Army never had in the past. The Pakistanis have it. So the Pakistanis have it and the Pakistanis always had it. So in the Indian Army always fought the Pakistanis equipped by American weapon systems and later Subsequently, by Chinese weapon systems, beginning with early seventies, even in seventy-one war, they had quite a bit of Chinese systems, but, but India never had it. Now that is the army. Look at the navy. The navy, the most important piece of American equipment that the navy has got is P-8I Poseidon. Now Poseidon usually, uh, generally, would be described as what is called as an ISR capability aircraft. ISR stands for intelligence surveillance and reconnaissance. It has among the most modern surveillance and sense surveillance systems and sensors. It hunts out for submarines, deep, deep underwater. It hunts for enemy or adversaries, ships or naval assets far away. It can also do a lot of other kinds of intelligence gathering, surveillance, electronic sniffing. And you might have seen during the Peak of the Ladakh crisis, P-8Is were carrying out sorties over that frontier as well. So this is a very effective aircraft. But remember, this is not just, just for this purpose. This aircraft is also a very lethal killing machine when it comes to ships for submarines and air to surface, surface targets as well. Because this is also equipped, besides other things, it's equipped with anti-sub- anti-submarine weapon system and also Harpoon missiles. This is the Harpoon Block II missiles um, called AGM-84L. And these are used from air to surface role. So this aircraft is equipped with that. So that is one of the lethal equipments that the Navy has. Next, the Navy is now in the process of acquiring and inducting 24 MH-60, Romeo Seahawk helicopter from Sikorsky. These helicopters also have combat capability Over water of the highest order, and they will replace the Sea Kings that the Indian Navy has flown for almost six decades now. For almost six decades, Sea sea Kings have been flying, they are still flying. These were the primary aircraft that the Indian Navy used for anti submarine warfare, etc. etc. These are very old, these are now going out of fashion. They have served a long, long, long innings. MH 60 Romeo Seahawks are going to replace them, these are American. And these are American. So you can also presume that the weaponry on them will be American. And these are for anti-submarine warfare, anti-surface warfare that is against enemy ships and search and rescue as well. Uh, very long range and very effective. Then interestingly, I will give you an account of others. But right now we are only talking about combat equipment, right? Uh, there is plenty else that's been bought from America. But the sig- significant thing now is that all three forces have actual active combat equipment equipment which can inflict damage on the enemy. So, we told you about the American combat equipment that the Army has got and the Navy has got. What about the Air Force? Air Force actually has done very well. Air Force has got all of the first order of 22 Apache helicopters. These are the Boeing 864E Apache helicopters. See the pictures, looks very, very menacing. These are meant to be used only in very special situations because These are very expensive helicopters, very expensive, very effective. And these would be used really in a crucial battle to shift the balance of the battle. Air Force has got all of these to begin with. That's a big thing for the Air Force. And this is purely a combat system. This is not a search and rescue aircraft. This is only meant to fight a war. Then the Air Force has other American stuff, which is important and which is improving its combat capability. For example, the new Tejas, the engine is American. It's a GE engine as is the engine now in the new stealth frigates that India is producing. That's, that's the American GE engine, including the engines on the new Vikrant, the new aircraft carrier, which is now going through sea trials. Those are also American GE engines. So this is the big change. It's not as if Indian armed forces have not been buying very visible and very high-profile equipment for the last 15 years or so from the Americans. So you see the C-17 Globemasters, there are 11 of them, and now you see one taking off almost every day, going to Turkey with supplies and relief, right? These are aircraft of aircraft a certain capability. They were used to evacuate Indians from Kabul. They were used to evacuate Indians from elsewhere also, wherever there is a problem. They were also used to fly in oxygen at the peak of the COVID crisis. These are these are very large aircraft with great capabilities. They are also used to transport equipment and soldiers in large numbers quickly when quick induction is needed. So, you might have seen a lot of these flying at the peak of the Ladakh crisis. So, 11 of these have been acquired from America. These are Globemaster Globe III, C-17. There are 11 Lockheed Martin C-130J. Super so Hercules aircraft, right? You see all these pictures. These, are, these are all familiar to you if you are a, if you are an aviation buff. Then, then 15 Boeing CH-47F Chinooks. Now, Chinooks are 15, but see the capability that this aircraft had has. And I told you just a while back how how, how effective the combination of a Chinook and the new M7 how it's is, because Chinook can shift it from one place to the other, one range to the other very, very, very quickly. But these are not, these are not directly combat systems. Combat systems are the ones that we counted just a while back. Now, why is it so significant? And why is it, and how come is it that Indian armed forces never had lethal American combat systems? Americans always had effective combat systems. They were always available to sell. India is among the largest Among the largest importers of military equipment in a long time, over a long time, America has been the largest exporter of military equipment in a long time. So how come India never bought from America or America never sold to India? So reason fundamentally is political and strategic. Political because in, in the very beginning, as the two countries became independent, India and Pakistan, India decided to take the non-aligned path. Pakistan was very happy. Pakistan was very happy to align with the Americans. Now, they allied with the Americans in an anti-communist alliance. I don't think anybody in Pakistan cared very much about communism. But that was a good excuse. They were neighbors to Afghanistan. Americans always thought Afghanistan was Soviet Union's buffer state, so they wanted influence somewhere there. Pakistan exploited its strongest geostrategic asset, that's its location, and joined Ceto cento baghdad pact, as it was called, with the Americans. So they became an American ally early on. India by default, although India joined the non-aligned movement formally only in 1961, but from the very beginning, leaned towards the left world or towards the soviet world so it's not as if india and soviet union became allies very soon india signed up the first agreement with the soviets to buy a major military system in 1961 that's the mig-21 deal and that was that was the deal that led to co-production of the aircraft in india but until then india wasn't really buying from the soviet union but but the western world was worried that india might buy india for about 15 years, indulged in total self-denial. Until the war in 65, India did not go out and buy any effective equipment, either from the American bloc or NATO bloc or, or the Seattle bloc, it's Seattle was Southeast Asian Treaty Organization, or, or even the Soviet bloc. What was India making do with So say from 47 until about 65, 66, India mainly relied on what had been inherited by Indian armed forces from the British. So most of the equipment used by India say in the sixty-five war was British equipment. A lot of it was just inherited, what the British had left behind, as the Pakistanis had also inherited. But a lot of it was also what India bought out of the sterling credits that were left. This is a complicated legacy of uh, partition and independence that the British owed India a bunch of money in pound sterling, with which India was expected to buy stuff from the British. And that's how we bought our centurion tanks from the British. We bought our hunters and gnats, the aircraft which formed the which formed the backbone or the bulwark or the or the cutting edge, whatever whatever metaphor you want to use of the Indian Air Force, say 1961 and partly 1971, also, although by then a bunch of squadrons of MiG 21s and Sukhoi 7s had come in. So the balance had shifted towards Soviet weaponry across India's armed forces. But, but what was inherited and bought from Britain and sometimes and mostly bought because there was no choice. This money had to be used for something. That's how India acquired its first aircraft carrier, the first INS Vikrant also and the aircraft on it and the helicopters on it etc, etc. And that's one of the reasons India did not have a submarine for a very long time. In fact, Pakistan brought the first submarine in the subcontinent, that was the PNS Ghazi, which they got from the Americans as part of their alliance deal and which was sunk off VISAG in the 1971 war. So, since India had plonked itself on the left of the global divide, American equipment wasn't available. There was a time after the Chinese war or during the Chinese war, when Nehru wrote that famous or now infamous letter to Kennedy asking for help, that was almost like somebody writing to uh, their uncle overseas to so saying, uncle, send me, uh, in old days, send me a few pairs of jeans, uh, sneakers, etc., etc., This goodies I don't get in India, right? That's how India was at that point. At that point, Nehru was desperate, so he was asking for weaponry like that. But so something had started moving. There was an American military mission set up in Delhi under a major general. But that 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 lost its momentum because Nehru wasn't very fit. And soon, Nehru became sick and Kennedy got assassinated. Then Nehru became sick. And that, that American opening got closed very quickly as India leaned more and more towards the Soviet Union. By 1966-67, under Mrs. Gandhi, India's, India's shift... To the soviet side was complete now india was also not buying anything much from the british in fact it was much later in late 70s that india bought the anglo-french jaguar but india was now buying everything from the soviet union so in the course of time all of india's armed forces became more and more and more and more Soviet-dominated. If you see pictures and videos of 1971 war, you see these missile boats striking Karachi, those were Russian-made missile boats, the Soviet-made missile boats, the missiles they fired were were Soviet-made missiles, so on and so forth. Even India's submarines at that point were foxtrots, were vintage foxtrots, all Soviet origin. So that was the Soviet decades of Indian armed forces. It is only in the past 15 years because India was India was very insecure also even when initial opening with the Americans took place. In fact, the first overtures from the Americans came in the late 70s. In 1986, Casper Weinberger, the US Secretary of Defense, came into India. After a long time, a US Secretary of Defense had come into India and there was some opening up. And there was some opening up at least at the political level. But there was no trust in India. And in fact, There was no trust mutually because Americans were not willing to transfer their new cutting-edge technology to India. India was not willing to trust the Americans because Americans, how do you know, today you buy something from them, tomorrow they will impose sanctions on you. In any case, Americans were too deeply involved with the Pakistanis. Late 80s, you remember, those were the decisive years of the war in Afghanistan. Pakistan was an ally of the Americans. So India and America stayed apart in military terms. Even when this opening up took place and the first orders were placed, in fact, under Dr. Manmohan Singh's government, these orders were for non-lethal equipment. Non-lethal, but very important for logistics. And that equipment has made a big difference. And that is what we had talked about just a while back, just a few minutes back. That is the C-17 Globemasters and C-130 Super Hercules aircraft, Chinook helicopters, etc. Those are the ones which have made a big difference at the back end of the military operation. But they are not they are not systems you fight with. They are systems who, who can quickly transport people and stuff that you fight with. That's why the change that we've seen in the past five years, starting with the order of this howitzer is a big change. Now you want to understand you want to understand how complex and how, how complex the situation until now was between india and the us and how strong was the distrust and how how keen both sides were to do something together but distrust kept them away i'll give you two examples one example is something that i've shown you before in a different in a different context this is one of the prized trophies or souvenirs that i keep in my office so this is this is an this is an f20 tiger shark in indian air force colors right you can see you can see Indian Air Force colors. This is camouflage delivery, but Indian Air Force colors. Indian Air Force, has, Indian Air Force has never flown this aircraft. In fact, no Air Force has ever flown this aircraft operationally. This is an aircraft that in late 80s, Americans thought they will design for either India or Pakistan to buy. And I have somewhere in my archives presentations that the company that made this aircraft had done for Indian Air Force and Pakistan Air Force telling Pakistan Air Force how this would devastate Indian Air Force, telling Indian Air Force similarly, how this would devastate the Pakistan Air Force. And because they were trying to sell to both air forces at the same time, they had these models made in in the color scheme and with the flag of both air forces. So I was able to flick one with the Indian livery, but whoever had these did not let me take one in the Pakistani livery. I thought together that would have made such a great statement of how the Arms Bazaar works. Nevertheless, why did nobody buy this aircraft? Because the Americans plugged it to India and Pakistan as a poor man's F-16. They said F-16 is very expensive. So it's a scaled-down version. It's much cheaper than the F-16, but pretty much will do the job for you. In any case, in any case, you are a third world air force. So for, for you, I have a third world economy class fighter aircraft. No air force, no armed force likes to be told it's a third world force they all think they are first world forces and nobody will take a third world system that's why this failed so this is this was a big pitch that the americans made in the late 80s in india as well failed and the second thing i want to tell you is of some and second thing i want to tell you is how old this tussle has been this desperation on the part of one the americans to sell something in india to get india more involved with them and second Second, how hesitant India was to buy from the Americans, how untrusting. At the same time, India was open to using what is called a squeeze play, right? That is, give one side the impression that if you don't give me what I want, or if you don't make sure I get what I want, I'll get it from some place and you won't like it. So for that, I take you back to this telegram that US Secretary of State then, John Foster Dulles, uh, wrote to State Department on March 11, 1956. And uh, I will quote from it. And the discussion here is that he is worried, the Americans are worried that India needs a medium bomber, a medium-range bomber. I'm taking you back to mid-50s, right, a medium-range bomber, India didn't have one. And Nehru, in his meeting with Dulles, let let him know, he dropped wide enough hints that India was negotiating with the Soviets to buy the Soviet IL-28. That was the illusion bomber at that point. And that got Dulles worried, right? Because he thought that if Indians, Nehru's Indians, start buying equipment of this kind from Soviet Union, that means we will lose a lot of influence And one major country then, will go to the Soviet bloc or will come under Soviet Soviet, Soviet influence. So, so I am reading here for John Foster Dulles' note. And this is this is from declassified uh, American papers, State Department papers of that era. And I quote, One most disturbing fact is that they are thinking of buying some military planes, I think, IL-28 types from the Russians. That is John Foster Dulles writing, writing back to Washington. And I continue quoting him, I had already been told by Selwyn Lloyd, Selwyn Lloyd was then British Foreign Secretary. I had already been told by Selwyn Lloyd that this was a possibility and he indicated that if these planes with Russian technicians were coming, then he was dubious whether they should sell the Canberras with special equipment. This is a time when India was also trying to buy Canberras with some special equipment from the British because India wanted a medium bomber. And what Nehru was doing in this case, obviously, was to use squeeze play because the British needed the American clearance to send those to sell those planes to India, and this was Nehru's way of putting pressure on America. And then, and then, Dallas goes on to say, and I quote him again: Nehru led, led Nehru led up to this subject with obvious caution and gave quite a story as to the background, trying to make it appear as innocent as possible. I told him as a first reaction that I could only tell him, frankly, that I felt this would greatly vex our relations. But, you know, to cut the long story short, soon enough, the Americans permitted the British to sell those Canberras to India. And those Canberras then had long innings serving with Indian Air Force through many conflicts. 65, 71, it was the only bomber with Indian Air Force. Even in Kargil, which was in 1999, the photo reconnaissance version of Canberras was used. And then what happened with this? This this squeeze tactics by Nehru worked. So once again, I quote a footnote from the same archive. It says, in order to conclude the sale of the Canberra bombers, the British were willing to take a financial loss and divert production intended for the Royal Air Force. Nehru, however, still thought the British price too high and the projected schedule of delivery too slow. Earlier, the British had gained US approval to sell the planes to Indians with specialized bombing equipment. Listen to this. The Indians, however, sought a still-classified 1,000-pound low-drag bomb, which was intended for supersonic and not subsonic aircraft such as Canberra. Moreover, it was an external bomb, while the Canberras were fitted for conventional internal bombs. The United States was not prepared to sanction the release at this time to the Indians, though the British believed it would be the final sweetener. So the fact is that even now, while Nehru was able to use squeeze play with the Americans to get them to sanction the sale of the Canberra bombers by the British to India, he still failed. India still failed to get the Americans to relent on the release of this particular bomb, which might have made a big difference given the technologies of that era. So this story tells you the complexities that the two countries have negotiated over the decades. It always tells you, how distrust has prevailed between the two countries right from the 50s. And that's how this helps put in perspective the change right now when all three forces, Army, Navy and Air Force, have lethal American equipment. And for all I know, more might be on the way.